What is going on, everybody? This is episode number one of Ask Me Anything, where I basically just take some questions that you ask me, and I answer them. So, let's get into it. Question number one. CJ wants to know if I believe in psychics. So, CJ, uh, the answer to that question is no. I I tend not to believe in things like psychics or tarot card readers or any sort of religious ideology, deities, tooth fairies, Santa Clauses, that kind of thing. So, no, I don't. What's next? Here we have Baba. (laughs) Uh, Best name ever. I have an idea for creating a beverage brand. What are your thoughts on flavored development companies? So the first thing that you need to know about flavored development companies is that uh, it can be very expensive. So anywhere from fifteen to fifty thousand dollars. And there's good and there's bad. The good thing is you're going to get something that tastes really good. But the potential downside is that those people are maybe some iron chefs or some food scientists that don't have a ton of actual manufacturing experience. So you do always run the risk of sort of investing or over-investing in these recipes, and then when it comes time to take that recipe into an actual manufacturing situation, the recipe sort of um, just falls apart. So I would be very cognizant of that. Other than that, I think that uh, there's a couple ways to, to go about it. The first one is just rent time in a commercial kitchen and an and experiment or just start in your own kitchen like you don't you don't need a flavor development company you don't need a phd food scientist to make a beverage you can figure it out by yourself for the most part and then if you have any co-packing partners in the business then take that idea go to them and have them do some r&d for you because oftentimes if you can find a co-packer that's the right partner for you they'll do a lot of that r&d for free Okay, what's next? Master P, which is definitely not your real name, wants to know three things I would tell my younger self about entrepreneurship and what it takes to be successful. I probably get asked this question more often than most, and it's a nebulous one. The first thing is, I think that a lot of things I wouldn't tell my younger self. And it may sound a little bit counterintuitive, but the reason I say that is that the more information that you have later on in life, it can really sort of skew your view. If, if I knew uh, some of the things that I know now about entrepreneurs and, and their backgrounds and everything else, I, it would be discouraging in some way. I don't think I would have gotten discouraged because as a young buck, I was always, uh, you know, one of these kids that um, was pretty rebellious. So. There are, there are a lot of things I would not tell myself, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. The things that I would, and you're wanting to know what three things those things would be? Oof, I think the first thing is establish a range of success for yourself. You know, constantly plan. I do a lot of this now. I've been doing it for a long time, and I'm still relatively young. Even when I was a teenager, I think that uh, the proper way to look at it is, where do I want to be in six months? one year, two, three, five, ten years, and that's a moving target, right? And 
it should always it should always just be readjusting and and you should be replanning around those things and not getting stuck on what you wrote down you know three years in the future like you see you have limited information things change but the practice of putting that shit down on paper taking your time and thinking about it is going to make you stick to it even that much more in terms of entrepreneurship i would say uh bro it's gonna be difficult very difficult but you can do it i would just give myself a fucking pump up speech that's what i would do i get in there bro if if i could talk to my younger self like actually and my younger self would know that it's my older self telling me this shit i would give the most just fucking what 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 rah rah crazy speech to get myself excited about life and feeling good about myself and all that kind of shit. That's what I would do. That's the real fucking answer. What are the three things that it takes to be successful? I think the first thing uh, is you need to realistically define what success looks like to you in a conservative, moderate, and aggressive scenario. An aggressive scenario being you or Steve Jobs or your Conor McGregor or your some, you know, top of the food chain, Elon Musk type dude or girl or whatever you are. And you are at the top of your game. I think um, that is sort of the aggressive scenario. And the conservative scenario is like, okay, well, what if a ton of shit goes wrong? What if I accidentally cut my left foot off? You know, I catch a little bit of tuberculosis for a while. I got in a plane crash, so I broke some bones, and, you know, things delay shit. But I think the conservative scenario would be like, what is the bare minimum viable amount of success that I'm willing to accept for myself? and figure out the increments in between that. What else do we get? I've been running a business seriously for about a year. What structure would you recommend for bringing on a friend? So this is an interesting one. The first thing I would do is put a 90-day intro period in the agreement, in the hiring agreement. Nothing too complex, nothing too crazy. You definitely don't want to set up an adversarial relationship with uh, whoever this is. So you don't want to do that, but you do have to protect yourself. I would say, you know, take them aside, train them hard for one full day of onboarding where you're not checking your email, you're not fucking around, you're doing nothing but really teaching them the ropes of every single thing, a deep dive training day. I really believe that. And if you're thinking about equity, I would, I would recommend a couple of things. The first thing that I would recommend is a cliff. And what a cliff is, is essentially it's a period of time that the person has to wait before their equity in a business starts to vest. I would say maybe a six-month or an eight-month cliff, something relatively standard. But again, nothing just too egregious if this person is, in fact, your friend. And lastly, I would say... You want to, uh, well, I guess there, there's two pieces to this, but you want a vesting schedule. So that means that you're going to have, uh, call it, you know, 100,000 shares of whatever it is. And that vests over 24 to 36 months 
in in even payments meaning that if the person leaves 12 months after you've granted them this equity well if it's in options and it's vesting over 24 to 36 months then they're not going to get all the equity and for good reason they didn't stick around which is why you want to bring them on to begin with so uh, that equity goes back to you so it limits your risk there And then I would also say, make sure that you're dealing in stock options. You don't want to just give away straight equity. It's, you can't do any vesting schedules and all those different stuff. So I would say for sure, give them equity. That question was from Steve. Shout out to Steve. I'm sorry, buddy. Forgot to say your name earlier. Okay, next question. I've developed a web app, but I have no idea how to proceed. I think I have something really cool, but I don't know how to get it off the ground. From Mati. Um, first thing I got to say is web apps are great. You know, with these PMA apps and AMP and Google and the way that they're indexing mobile sites and things, those will continue to be very powerful tools into the future if you're building a website. But with a web app and the type of thing that you're talking about, you gotta you gotta turn that into a native app, right? I mean, you, you gotta get into iTunes, App Store, you gotta get into the Google Play Store. Um, you wanna be where the people are consuming the apps. It's just you know, it's like having a podcast and only releasing it on YouTube. That makes no sense. You have to release it where the people are at and consuming that type of thing. So I would say that um, probably overinvest in the time that it takes to do it. Uh, it sounds like you're a developer, so open up Swift and fuck around. You can figure out how to make an iPhone app. I'm positive of that. Okay, Lou wants to know, organic growth versus paid social marketing, should I focus on one or master both simultaneously as quickly as possible? So organic social is just part of doing business, right? That's just one of those things that you have to do and you have to be good at. In this day and age, it's it's like, hey, I want to make a t-shirt, but not sew it together. You know, like it's not a shirt at that point. So organic social is a thing that you have to do. They're just, it just is what it is. Okay. And if you're not doing it, then you're fucking up. So get on it. Uh, Paid social is essentially at scale. What you're going to have to do regardless of how good your organic strategy is. Uh, If you really want to blow it up big time. And so there's a couple different ways. And of course, organic can feed paid big time, right? I mean, you can boost posts, you can test it on organic, you can see which things get the most clicks, and then you're optimizing your paid strategy based on that. There's a million and one different tactics and strategies that you can take between those two things to make them work synergistically. But I think your question is, do you need to do any paid digital marketing, paid social media marketing? And the answer is yes. And I don't know what kind of business you're in. This is, again, a very highly variable situation. At Barnana, I use Facebook ads to target people who shop at places like Whole Foods, and I'll geofence them in and serve them ads. And if we're on deal, I'll serve them that as well, all the while trying to keep that CPM as low as possible. So again, not knowing what kind of business this is, the answer is you gotta do both of those things. All right, next question is from Rose, Rosie, 
Rose? I don't know. Rose with two E's might be a typo. Anyway, I would like to meet you and get some ideas or concepts on how to be successful as an entrepreneur. I'm very new, but I'm looking to move fast. Uh, well, Rose, Rosie, Rose, love the spirit. All right, moving fast. But the first thing is just fucking move. Just start moving. You know, it's like pick one leg up and put it on the ground and then pick the next foot up and you put it in front of that one and then you keep going and you keep doing it and then pretty soon you're fucking walking a mile. You know, you may not walk a mile as fast as you will once you're experienced in a few years, but you gotta do it. So just get moving. You don't need to meet me. I'm not opposed to meeting you. I'm not saying that at all, but you don't need to meet me or anybody else. You don't need to meet shit. You got everything that you need at your disposal right now to go and make shit happen. So get out there and do it. Um, And also remember that your great ideas and concepts, those are all ideas and concepts. And until you execute on something, they don't mean shit. All right. Rick wants to know, how do I get my company to a position where it is known without wasting money on digital advertising and throwing it away? Well, Rick, you're going to throw money away, dude. It just kind of is what it is. Um, So, you know, you definitely want to mitigate that to the greatest extent possible, but you will waste a lot of cash, no matter how hard you try not to do that, because you got to. You got to test things and see what works, and the only way that you find out what works is to simultaneously see what doesn't work. So you're going to do that. That's basically unavoidable. In terms of getting your company into a position that it is known without wasting money, I don't know if you're trying to say like you don't want to spend any money or you're just scared of wasting it and you might not get the you know the best uh, lemon juice from squeezing that yellow fruit. So I think that, um, look, it's if you're Kylie Jenner and you got a fucking... 17 trillion Instagram followers, then you're not going to have to spend anything on digital marketing straight up because that's already built in. Now, I'm assuming that you're not that person. So in that case, you got to make up for it somehow. You can make up for it by trying to somehow orchestrate some virality in content. I mean, the first thing you got to do, the first answer is make fucking great content. You have to make a ton of great content. And great content, by the way, does not mean crazily produced content. And, you know, you got the best mic and the best camera and crew and all that shit, right? I'm talking about valuable content to whoever needs to watch it. And you can do that on your iPhone. I don't even, you know, it, it just, it's highly variable in that way. But I will say it doesn't have to be highly produced. Starts with the content make something fucking awesome, and that will at least set you up for potential virality in the future through organic means, but it's going to take a lot of work. You're going to need to know how each platform works, how to get you 
greasy little fingers in there and tittle-tottle with the algorithm in your favor and also just market the fuck out of everything. So uh, do a lot of growth hacking. Get on Reddit. Get on all these little forums. It's, you know, they still work. Do SEO. It still works. Do all the things that cost you zero dollars but cost a fuckload of time if you don't got the dollars. Okay. So David R. wants to know... How did you learn to embrace risk-taking? Um, so I've, <laughs> anybody that's listening to this that knows me, I, uh, I've always taken a lot of risks. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. I just have that type of personality, right? Everybody has a different risk aversion scale. And I just happen to be not risk averse at all. And uh, a lot of my actions map to that. And so I'm probably not the best person to answer this question for you, given that fact. Uh, But I'll try to answer it in some way regardless. You gotta take risks, right? I mean, walking out your front door is a risk. Crossing the street, guess what? Harrison Ford might just fly a fucking plane right into your Toyota Celica on the freeway this afternoon. You know? So you're taking a risk every day you're walking around, okay? And you should also take risks, big risks, calculated risks, whenever you can to move your life forward in whichever direction you want it to go. Because if you don't take the risk, you're going to regret. And sure, you might regret taking the risk, but that's going to feel a whole hell of a lot better than regretting not taking it. So, that's my answer on that. And actually, that is the last question for this episode. I think there was 10 of them or so. So, if you have any questions for me, uh, you can go to ingersollnik.com slash AMA and that will get you to the place where you can put in whatever question that you would like me to answer. And I'm tired. It's 2 a.m. Hustling, baby. Okay. So shoot me any questions. Uh, DM me on Instagram, adding your soul and IK, figure it out. Send me questions wherever you want. I do like to answer them. It is kind of fun. And I'll be doing a round two here pretty soon. So thank you so much for listening. And if you could subscribe to the podcast, of course, that would help me out a ton. And if you happen to leave a review and tell every single friend of yours on the planet and all of your family members and physically take their phones and look up the show and press subscribe and give it a five-star rating, then uh, you are a superhuman bad motherfucker. (laughs) So anyway, uh, I hope everybody has a great night. I'm going to go to bed finally now. And until next time, chat at you then. I'm out. Welcome to the Nick Ingersoll Show. Yeah. 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 Yeah.